G'day y'all, welcome to our next episode of Champagne Cinema, the show where we do what we do best, which is watch films, drink wine or alcohol, and then whine about them. My name is Chris and joining me today is C. Hi everyone, thanks for joining us again this week. I cannot believe this is our last episode of the year. We made it like two months. We've stuck with it. Yeah, 13, 13 episodes in two months. I think that's pretty good. And so now we've made it to our quote unquote holiday break just because, you know, holidays and everything and we're busy and also we can just put some more time into this and not feel like rushed with the holidays around at the same time. Yeah. And I also like want to get drunk and watch Christmas movies over the holidays, like the Lifetime movies that are so trash. I want to watch them without having to think about like, do we have to record something here or is this for an episode? So now I can watch, you know, The Princess Switch on Netflix number three guys, like Vanessa Hudgens is a third of those movies out. And I don't even know why, but you know what? I'm going to watch it with a glass of wine. She, I mean, I watched the first one. It's cute. But then I saw the preview for the second one. I was like, oh, I haven't done it yet. It gets worse. Like the third one looks, there wasn't, it wasn't necessary. I don't know why there's a third one in these films, but I really do have a soft spot for Vanessa Hutchins ever since High School Musical. So I'm like, I'm just going to give her my time. But I watched the trailer and I was like, oh no, here we go again. It's definitely because of Vanessa. They're like, if she wants to keep doing it, we're going to do it because I'm sure she gets like enough in. But yeah, so now we can kind of just relax and make our minds go a little bit more veg <laughs> around the holidays <laughs> and not really pay attention too much. But while we still sprinkle in this because we are not going to forget about y'all. No, we're going to keep doing this, but C and I both work full-time jobs and we also need a break from those. I think we just need a break from obligations. And so, I, yeah, the holiday time is obviously when I just want to and you want to, you get to spend time with your family and I just get to sit, spend time on the couch this year, which I'm really looking forward to. Which means spending time with the family does mean I'm just hanging out on the couch. <laughs> well, not the whole time, but yeah, I'll be taking that advantage as well. Yep. <laughs> so for our final film of the year, we thought it was important to watch a Christmas or a holiday film. And we also chose one from the Empire's Top 100 list again. So coming in at number 46 on the list is 1946, It's a Wonderful Life. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas, George! Directed by Frank Capra, this Christmas fantasy stars Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed. And I think it goes without saying, just even how I said his name, Jimmy Stewart. I'm a huge fan. And I do think this time around, because, you know, we watched him in Rear Window, I think you're getting on board with him. I love Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart looks hot, wet, and punched up. <laughs> yeah, you like him now, huh? <laughs> yeah, I definitely got on board with Jimmy Stewart in this one. More towards the end, as you heard in that sound clip, he kind of, I think he gets into a fight or something, or it's like when he jumps in the water. Not giving too much away, guys. But... I was like, okay, you look real hot, like rugged and manly as opposed to like, you know, clean. Um, So I was on board with this one. I do think this movie, I liked his character more than I did in Rear Window. But I did want to point out that this is called a Christmas fantasy. I remember when I started watching it and heard the description, I'm like, is this science fiction? And now it's like, yeah, it is science fiction. It's a fantasy film. You saw that listed somewhere? Specifically? Yeah, you, ju- oh. you just read it. it was a Christmas fantasy. 
Well, I just thought it was what we were saying about it, but I didn't know if you actually like read it somewhere. Like people were calling that a Christmas fantasy. Yes. Oh, 100%. It is called a Christmas fantasy. Um, so there we go. It is sci-fi. <laughs> I didn't know it was like officially <laughs> a Christmas fantasy, but I'll take it. Yeah, I was super, I mean, it is because there's, you know, obviously all the angels and weird shit involved. So before we dive into that, obviously we're going to talk about all these things, but please remember that this podcast contains spoilers. If you have never seen It's a Wonderful Life, you should probably go watch the film first and then come back and listen to this episode. Okay, so for this week, we're going to switch it up. And I'm going to be doing the plot Mm -hmm. because I know this movie more and you're doing the plot because you made a cocktail. I did make a cocktail. So for this movie, we are watching It's a Wonderful Life with Jimmy Stewart, James Stewart, and Donna Reed. Did we watch a Jimmy Stewart movie? Yeah, that was Rear Window. Okay. Mm -hmm. At least we know he's cute. Yes, he is cute. And he's younger in this. Oh. Because this is from... 1946. This is the oldest movie we've watched. Yeah, and I don't remember what I think Rear Window was. It was the 50s. Okay. Yeah, so, and that's directed by Frank Capra. The plot is George Bailey, which is Jimmy Stewart, has so many problems, he is thinking about ending it all, and it's Christmas. <laughs> okay, it's dramatic. As the angels discuss George, we see his life in a flashback. Is this a science fiction film? The Angels? (laughs) As George is about to jump from a bridge, he ends up rescuing his guardian angel, Clarence. He's so sweet. Okay? Yeah. It sounds like City of Angels as well. It's like, it's sci-fi. It's definitely a science fiction. (laughs) Um, Who then shows George what his town would have looked like if he hadn't been for all his good deeds over the years. Okay. So if like he didn't kill himself, he shows him what his life would have been like. Yeah, it's like a journey. And the journey is it's starting in one part of his life. And then, yes, the angel comes and they're looking back. At his life? Yes. Is he dead? I'm not saying anything. Okay. I am confused already, but looking forward to the science fiction Christmas film. Yeah, it's very Christmas. It's like always played on network television around the holidays. It's mm. just like always on NBC. I have never seen it. So to clarify, I've never seen it. Well, I'm excited to see what you think. I really have no idea. And it's in black and white, we think. Yeah, but I wonder if it'll be in color, but if there's a color option. But it definitely was in black and white. I'm tempted to make you watch black and white because that's how it came, but then I don't think you'll like it as much. I can watch black and white. I like Psycho, and that was in black and white. So (laughs) This isn't Psycho. Same, same, but different, right? (laughs) So today we went a little bit different since it's the holiday season and Christmassy, and we've drunk a lot of wine. We switched it up to a hot toddy using whiskey, which C doesn't drink very much of. But But I love a hot toddy. Do you know it's whiskey or do yeah. you just, okay. I was yeah. like, do you just like whatever, that's, whatever's in it, like I'll just take it. Yeah, when you want something warm, but you want a cocktail, it's like hot toddy. Yeah, because I just, you know, I think we had a lot of wine and we're like, let's do something a bit more festive. And I felt like hot toddies were it. Even so, though it's kind of warm outside, it's actually really warm Yeah, bloody here. Texas. I can't even <laughs> like. <laughs> we're just pretending we're, we're I can cold. like just drop the air conditioning really low and we can get really cold down here. Yeah. So for this one, I actually used Maker's Mark, which is one of my favorite whiskeys, I would say. It's like how I started drinking whiskey. So I've progressed since then to fancier shit, but this is like a good 
baseline. So like if you're at a bar and you want whiskey, ask for Maker's Mark. Don't do like Jim Bean or any kind of crap like that. Or what is it? Jack Daniels. Do not order Jack Daniels. I need to remember these things because I always scared you're going to get like a bad Maker's Mark is like, I would say not the most expensive thing at the bar and it's way better than other things. So like if you have to order like a whiskey for a cocktail and they ask you, I would say like a Maker's Mark is pretty... I feel good. like you've told me this. I just need to remember. Yeah. It's also how Nick started drinking whiskey. And then he started hanging out with all his buddies in um, Tennessee that really taught him how to drink expensive whiskey. But I um, didn't touch those items today because <laughs> sometimes I get in trouble for drinking too much of them. So, yeah, there's not very much to explain about it. It's a Kentucky bourbon whiskey. Um, this one is 54.25%. <laughs> yeah, Hence buddy. why we only had a little bit. Um, but in the hot toddy recipe, it was just Maker's Mark, boiling hot water, uh, some lemon, fresh lemon juice, and then some honey. And then I just spun some cinnamon sticks in it for a little bit. And then it just has slices of lemon on top. So we'll post the recipe if anyone's interested. It's very basic. But that's what we're drinking today. And I'm excited to see what C actually thinks of my concoction. I'm sure I love it. But thanks for making it. Cheers. I can, like, I can inhale the fumes. <laughs> it's like if you were sick right now. Oh, great. this is good. If you're yeah. sick, guys, drink a hot toddy. Mm. Oh, that's good. Mm, yeah. She it's nailed not it. Too, sometimes you get them and they're too lemony, like a lot of lemon. And I don't like that. Yeah. And this is fresh lemon juice. Like I actually squeezed the lemon instead of using the bottle stuff. No, this is good. It blends really well. Oh, this one's festive. All right. Movie time. So first up, before we dive into it, we wanted to do our trivia again. I think these ones, see, you're going to get really excited about. I'm excited to hear. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like you're already like, this is amazing. And for some people, like, I know that you're a classical film fan. Mm -hmm. And by classical, it's like this era, like 40s, 50s and stuff. So you'll probably get it. I don't know if I was like, eh. But, you know, each their own, this doesn't resonate with me as much as some other trivia. So to start off, Cary Grant was actually supposed to play George Bailey, but how everything goes in Hollywood, the project went through ups and downs, duty, 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 and the number of rewrites. And so in 1945, the movie was sold from the original production company to another production company where Frank Capra came on as a director who quickly recruited Jimmy Stewart to play George. But I thought you would like to hear, because I know you like Cary Grant, mm-hmm. that that was also the first kind of option. How how do you feel about that? I mean, I do love Cary Grant. I feel like <laughs> they are probably oftentimes either or, like they were like one of the two top serious, you know, actors, but still were like heartthrobs. So I'm not surprised. Do I... I think they did totally good with Jimmy Stewart. Could Cary Grant do it? Yes. But maybe I don't know if he could do it as, you know what? I probably would love it. I probably would love it. But I'm happy with Jimmy. (laughs) I also, this is for my favorite piece of trivia, to be honest. So obviously Frank Capra, I hope I'm saying that correct. Donna Reed and Jimmy Stewart had hundreds of movies between them, but all of them have been cited saying that It's a Wonderful Life is their favorite movie they've done. I thought that was really sweet. I feel like you can feel it. Like you can just feel like that joy and love and community. Okay, well, on to the next part that I was surprised at, but It's a Wonderful Life completely bombed at the box office in 1947. So it is a classic American film now. Mm -hmm. 
but it was not a hit with audiences when it came out. In fact, it put the director Capra into half a million dollars of debt and he had to scramble to finance his next film after this one. I found that very interesting. Yeah. I'm wondering if at the times it just wasn't as like fun. Maybe they're doing more like the dancey and the big over-the-top stuff productions and this was more like homey and... Maybe, but now I'm going to come to the next final piece of trivia, which I found interesting, is that the film's kind of status actually came about in the 70s. So three decades after it was initially released, it became like a staple on television during the 70s because it's like it's rights, all those kind of things you get commissions from and stuff like lapsed after 30 years. So like any TV network could use this movie for free. And then that stopped in 1994. And now they have to like pay for it again or whatever. But there was this period it became like free to air essentially. So all these TV networks were like, well, we don't have to pay any money for it. So let's show it. And then that is how it became more beloved because it was on TV all the time over and over and over and over again. I mean, that's how I know it because here in America, I mean, I don't know if it's done anywhere else, but it is every year it is going to be on network primetime TV before the holidays. 30 years later, it became that film. So it's kind of sweet. That's like how it grew, but actually it was got to do with that, not the initial film release. I hope the director was like still alive and got to see it come to fruition. Yeah. He said the film ended up growing a life of its own. So. It's really that's it's sweet, but I was just like, oh, okay. I mean, I think lots of lots of classic films don't do as well mm-hmm. at the box office. It kind of they're like those secret cult ones that come up and like then they become this thing of their own like years later. And at that time they were just churning them out constantly. It was just like movie, 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 and you could never really know, I bet, like what could do well. But good trivia. Oh, feeds my soul. So To summarize the underlying theme and story, George Bailey sees himself as a failure because he never left Bedford Falls. He never traveled the world like he had planned or achieved his dreams. Instead, he stayed home and sacrificed what he wanted for others, such as his brother and his father and their family business. By doing this, improved the lives of so many people and in doing so, made friends along the way who were there to support him in his time of need. That being said, I think we agree that there really is only one topic worth discussing with this film, and it's about that lesson of living your life and appreciating it. Even though your life may not be perfect or doesn't take you on the course you dreamed of, it's about not underestimating the layers of importance that accumulate within your journey and that are standing right in front of you and you may not see. So, so deep, see, so deep. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much. I mean, it's all about that, like taking things for granted, grass is greener, but this story really shows the values of just being good and sacrificing in the greater good of your small world or big world or whatever that is. I would agree. I think we kind of said a couple of times in there that like George is such a good guy and I just, I did really make a connection at one point with another famous character that we know. But he's sacrificing himself. Mm-hmm. Basically like the original Captain America. <laughs> I guess you could look at it that way. Yeah, always bringing Marvel in. I mean, Marvel's got those little tidbits. 
<laughs> I feel like I try and connect every film to another film being like, ooh, this reminds me of this. <laughs> Captain America definitely did. It's kind of like the opposite because George, you know, stayed home and got married and that was like the good. But Captain America, it was go and be the adventurous and save the world, but not get to marry the woman he loved. So like they did it, but like in different ways. Yeah, they both had this like, I think we say like this basic goodness, which was like this, the good character, but they always like sacrifice something for the greater good and put themselves or some element of themselves like second. And, you know, I like that, but I do think that George Bailey, he definitely got bitter over the years. He seems like a grumpy old man now. Mm-hmm. He was so full of life before. Yeah, I mean, because he was fighting against this what I wanted, what I thought I wanted, what, you know, meant a lot to me. And he wanted to go travel the world and see everything. And then he did get married, but he still wanted to do that with her. But then just every time he'd get close, something would happen and he'd realize what he needed to do was something different. And I think that just wore down on him so much until he realized like in the end, this is actually like was the right thing. He just was taking it for granted. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think there's like this meaning behind the film is that like, you know, (laughs) kind of like karma away, like you'll do this good and it'll come back around and you're a good person and all these good things will happen. And it's like, oh, you know, look at the life you have. That's actually great. Not like look at the life that you wish to have that you don't know is going to be great. But I'm going to kind of play a bit of devil's advocate here and say, I don't completely agree with that because I think you should drive. You should, you know, go after the things you want. You should go travel. I get that he wanted to sacrifice and put everyone ahead of himself, but you know, sometimes you just got to put yourself forward. And I'm just like really sad. He didn't get to do that for himself. He literally put everyone else forward ahead of him. And I think that's a message because it came back around and the whole community was there for him in a time of need. But that still ultimately sucks. I still think he's like going to need some therapy after all this because he was about to jump off a bridge to collect life insurance. Now, there are some fucking serious issues behind that. He's having, he needs to get some therapy. Yeah, to not realize like that might cause worse pain. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> like they're still going to feel like shit. But I mean, he did have his opportunities where he could have. He just... He had too much of a conscience to actually do it. You know, like his brother was at one point like, I will stay, I'll stay. But then he just felt too much guilt and he'd be like, no, you go. He just kept sacrificing for himself. So he could have just stopped and been like, you know what? I do need to do this. But then I think the whole point of the thing was he didn't realize maybe this is what I actually wanted. It just was different than what I thought. Because then when it wasn't there, he was like miserable and, he, you know, his Zuzu's roses weren't in his pocket and all that <laughs> stuff. So it kind of is just like this mix of two different worlds and it ended up happy. But yeah, I mean, I still think they need to go on like a family vacation. <sighs> but I mean, he didn't even get his honeymoon. And like, I get I that his wife, Mary, was great and gave him this cash, but I'm obviously not as a good person as George Bailey just putting it out there because I would have been bitter and resentful as fuck in that situation and like his brother getting to go and travel the world and do all this amazing stuff while he like stood the ground for you know his family business because his dad essentially told him he was the better child like that's not fair like give him a break like I would be 
very unhappy if I didn't get to go travel the world because it's something I want to do. I just, again, George Bailey, you're probably a better person than me and it's the forties, but I just don't quite agree with the message of sacrificing everything (laughs) just so other people can strive. I don't think that's as relevant in today's society. And I'm going to point this out. I mentioned it in there. He should have 100% fired his uncle for losing that money and got him arrested instead of sacrificing himself. This guy's a fucking idiot. It's really annoying. Like, do you, how do you not know that? Em- oh my god, <laughs> he needs to be fired. This is a fireable offense. <laughs> but his family. I gotta say, you're pretty brutal. <laughs> Am I ruining this magical film for you? No, you're not ruining it for me. It's just I I see what he did, and I think that just gave him a different kind of joy that he didn't realize was so important because when he looked at like what would have happened if he wasn't around like that seemed more miserable to him than anything and I can get that like all the different things and you know it ended up being something he didn't realize was more important and I appreciate that but I do think yes he needs to take time for himself but that's the message Yes. I, yeah. I don't think he like, obviously he doesn't hate his family or anything like that. I think when he was just like, Oh, like I wish I never existed. I don't think he really meant that. And yeah, seeing how miserable people's lives were, if he didn't exist, I get all that. But that again is a big burden he's putting on himself to be like, Oh, that's all on me. Like, that's a lot. That's Mm -hmm. a lot to put on someone. No. But, and then I guess at the end they're like, no, it isn't all on you. We are here to help. And that's where it became that sense of community and (laughs) bringing everybody together and feeling connected on Christmas Eve. And it was the Christmas miracle. Oh, they're all going to give money to help save him because he helped all of them. It's a Christmas miracle. And this brings me to my other devastating blow I felt I dealt you is that like I was questioning if this is an authentic Christmas movie, just like with the timeline of it. Again, when is this a Christmas movie? Present time. We're a full hour into it. And there present is no time. Christmas. The present time. I was expecting full-blown Christmas. Mm-mm. If you think Die Hard's a Christmas movie, then you can take this as a Christmas movie. Die Hard is set on Christmas Eve. I've never said it wasn't, though. I'm just two saying, of like... The, two of the movies are set on Christmas Eve. But the whole Christmas thing Eve. isn't Christmas all the time. But it's around Christmas time of year. I know. We're getting there. We're getting there. Christmas movies are... We're getting there! ...are based around Christmas... <laughs> Christmas time of year. Anything in December is a Christmas movie-ish. This is the before. You're learning about him. How do you care about him present time if you don't get him as a person? Christmas was in the last 15 minutes of this, and it's a very holiday and festive theme at the end with family and community and joy of your life. But I also read that the director said he didn't think of this as a Christmas film. So... A, I was correct in this is not exactly a Christmas movie. It was just played at Christmas time, but I, I'm still concerned this is not a full-blown Christmas movie because three quarters of the film is not based at Christmas time. I think it is because look at what it has become. The public has spoken. <laughs> I don't care End about the argument. public. This is my opinion. <laughs> It is a Christmas movie. It'll be on every Christmas list. It's played on TV at Christmas. Maybe it wasn't intended, but that's what it was. That's what it became. <laughs> yes. It's more, again, it took a its never own life. I would movie unless it was around Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. But that was, that was one of the things I'm like, hey, see, like 
we're like well over halfway into this film and there is no Christmas. Like we're just hanging out in this guy's story. And I also noticed that like the whole story, really three quarters of the movie is about his backstory. Then it becomes present and it's like, oh, I'm going to go kill myself for life insurance. So that was a lot. I thought there was going to be a lot more Christmas involved. That's all. Yeah. No, I mean, I can, I can definitely agree that it wasn't very Christmassy for most of it, but I just, that feeling it gives you at the end when it does get there, it's like the most Christmas feeling you can ever have. It's just that joy and that Christmas spirit. I mean, I feel that in a lot of other films. I feel joy in a lot of films, but yes, I, I get, I get, again, I understand this film. I understand where it's coming from. I also wanted to like really quickly touch on that Potter guy. The, the Scrooge of the whole film. What a cunt. He is. He's such an ass. He's like Scrooge. You fuck. You stole the fucking money. What a fucking cunt. I don't think I've disliked a character that much in a really long time. He's kind of like the Voldemort of this film. He is so greedy and I'm just like, Ugh. and what I don't like, I don't like is that he doesn't get reprimanded for it he just gets away with it he gets to keep that eight thousand dollars and i'm just so mad about that i understand that is what happens in the real world bad dudes get away with bad shit all the time but this is a family happy movie why can't he be arrested or something like that yeah he did kind of get off without anything but he is the worst in that stupid brown chair it's like a throne that he goes around in and then remember like when you know the part where George isn't alive anymore and he goes in and it's Pottersville and it's just like gambling joints and stripper joints and clubs and it's just like mm -hmm. complete scum just hanging out and everybody's just being ridiculous and like that's all he cared about. He just wanted people there to make money, didn't care about anything going on around him as long as he had money in his pocket. So he's just so gross and he's an asshole and everything. Who does it remind you of? I know who exactly it reminds me of, and I don't know if we should say it on this podcast, but I feel like I know who it reminds you of. Like a real person that we know in real life? <laughs> oh, not in real life. Oh, like, oh, like, no, oh a real person, but a real person, but we don't know them oh, personally. Was he a president? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, definitely has the same body type. <laughs> I was just always saying that. I was like, oh my goodness, this reminds me of someone we oh, all we know. we shall not I, say his name on this podcast. We, no, we'll give, we'll give them no credit um, for that. But yes, that was the other point I wanted to make. I just feel like he really grinded me the wrong way in that film. As he should. If he doesn't, that's sad. That's really bad. <laughs> like, don't think we should be friends if you're like, yeah, go Potter. <laughs> What a great businessman. He really knows how to make money work for him. <laughs> I bet you he writes off everything. <laughs> There's my business model. <laughs> Just going to write that off. Yep. No, but I think, you know, how it ends is really where it all comes to. I guess he just don't want to bring Potter into the end because it's just like so happy and they beat him and they don't need to like shove it in his face because who cares about him? But they were just... <laughs> so sweet at the end and everybody just came together and I just loved when Harry came um his brother and he said cheers to him and he's like to my brother the richest man in town and it just shows you know there was so many more things to judge your worth in your life than the money Potter has yes I know I I, I understand all this maybe I'm just like on the 
Why can't you appreciate it? I do appreciate it. I just, I guess I see the other side. He's the richest man in town, but he also sacrificed all his hopes and dreams. Yes, he got something great at the end, but there's still this little part of me that's like really sad that he really didn't get to do what he wanted to do and really got to that place where he was really depressed and unhappy with his life. He needs to address that. Like he needs to go speak to someone about that and be like, Hey, what can I do? He needs to talk to his wife and be like, I need a little vacation. I agree. There's just that that little bit of me that just like, it's not like everything that happened. I don't see the, it's like one of those, like, it's like a band aid. He still needs to work on the things he wants that made him so miserable in the first place. That's all I'm saying. But at least maybe he's found like a middle ground and he's realized like his life isn't worth nothing. He hasn't, all he does is just grind. Like maybe there's a middle ground and then they can have mm-hmm. more. And she'll realize like he was so miserable and there's a lot of pressure on him. That's why she got everybody to help instead of just letting it stay on all his shoulders. Maybe it was that little stepping stone. But it was just the fact of like, you don't have to hate your whole life and think you shouldn't be alive that you failed at everything. That there is some things that he succeeded in that he didn't really realize that he was making such an impact. Yes, but things need to change for him to continue being happy or else he's going to go back to where he was and unhappy. I'm just saying. It's always happily ever after, (laughs) forever. (laughs) I'm like, if we just go to therapy, just get some help. It will like help you sort shit out. Just do it. (laughs) Well, I appreciate you having George's back. George Bailey. Of course. I just, you know, want him to succeed even more in his own personal happiness, not everyone else's happiness. That's all. That's all I'm saying. But still be doing the good. Yeah. I'm not saying he needs to turn into a monster. I'm just saying that every now and again, he should put himself first to avoid getting in the situation he was in, like firing his uncle and being like, maybe it's time for you to go again. Just saying. Agreed. But it is a Christmas movie and he is a great guy. And hopefully maybe for Christmas, he got a plane ride somewhere. Yeah. Maybe that just gave him more money. Yes. There you go. Yeah. Hopefully they all gave him more money so he can go on that vacation where he gave everyone like $2,000 of their own money. So he can go, they're all paying him back for that finally. And they can go on their honeymoon like 10 years later without their four children. Yeah. Or maybe like everybody was like screw Potter and then he'll finally be able to like make money, not just like constantly keep putting money into the town. With that being said, we're going to jump into our honorable mentions. First, we're going to go with Mary Bailey, his wife. She just, one, is just so beautiful. And on top of that, she just always had that glow on her. Oh, she's so glowy. I know. We need that filter. (laughs) She didn't need that glow, but (laughs) it just added so much. But one thing that was kind of frustrating is the whole part where if George wasn't alive, then she would have been an old maid. I mean, yeah, right. She's gorgeous. She would have caught anybody. Yeah. I, again, little parts of the movie and I get, I get it. Please, no one come for me. It was made in the forties. It was sexist in parts. And that part really annoyed me that she was going to be like an old maid with like glasses and a little hat. They made her try and look her, make her look ugly, which is not possible. Not possible. And I'm like, it is so disturbing to know that she couldn't have lived a fulfilling life without a man. I did not like that, without George Bailey in particular. Like she could have been really happy married to someone else, but they had to make her miserable. I'm like, that is not accurate. Her happiness does not depend on this man coming into her life. So again, 40s, I get it. It's the magic of the movie. 
no one come for me, but that, I mean, opinion. that is the, <laughs> the norm for then. So <laughs> yeah. unfortunately that's not going to change for those, but yeah, that's thankfully we've moved past that for now. My favorite, <laughs> my favorite part, it was right at the start. It was when there were children in, was it George Bailey, like where he worked in that like pharmacy or the shop mm-hmm. or the corner store, there was a young Violet and she says to a young Mary, I like him. And little young Mary goes, you like every boy. Then young Violet says, what's wrong with that? <laughs> Sounds like me when I was little. I loved boys too, girl. <laughs> And I really felt that. I feel like I was young Violet when I was that age, whatever age they are, like eight. I was like, yeah, I literally was like, I like every boy. <laughs> yeah, like any cute boy, you're like, oh, he's cute. Oh, he's cute. Oh, he's cute. You have like five boyfriends. And you're like, I'm going to marry Damien. <laughs> just like, I just loved it. I was like, oh, I can relate to you. I'm glad girls were like that in the 40s and they're still like that now. <laughs> yeah. The next one is for Annie, uh, the Bailey family's maid. She had that line at the end, I've been saving this money for divorce if I ever got a husband. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> again, you should. she's saving for herself and she's saving for her security. And I think that's like so relevant. I don't know if people save money for divorces these days, but I feel like females save money now for that security in case there is a divorce to make sure that they're set up in case they're ever on their own. And I think Annie, she like, again, in the forties, divorce wasn't really like a thing back then. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, it's very taboo. So I like that. That's how she was thinking. I'm like, you are beyond your time, Annie, you know, what's up. Yeah. She wanted to be self-sufficient and not rely on any man because she thinks that might divorce. (laughs) (laughs) She's more realistic than most. Oh, yeah. And then one of my favorites is George Bailey as a kid. Isn't he cute? I'd love him if I was that age in middle school. Oh, yeah. 100%. Huge crush. Yeah, right? You were so hot for him. So hot. You were just like, Chris, like, watch out. Watch out. I'm like, this kid's 10. I could see it. Like, I was like, yeah, I would have been crushing on him. I would have been just like little young Violet being like, I like him because like, yeah, like, look at him. He is stunning as a 10-year-old kid. I thought he was just the cutest and I would be so into him. No, I would totally have been like Mary, like, you're the only boy I'll ever love. Oh, I I I'm keeping my options open. He would probably be number one on my list, but like he's not the only one. No, I would have definitely at that moment, not that it would have lasted as long as it did for her, but in that moment for sure, I would have been like, oh my gosh. Our next one is, I think we just have to talk about Clarence, the angel, which is that huge line that I just feel like has become a big thing. It's every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. He was just such a sweet, like... He really wanted help, but, you know, kind of think about it, his intentions were just to get his own wings. So I guess there was like um, his own agenda. Oh, he definitely had his own agenda. But in good grand screen, that own agenda was to help people. That was his role. So I liked that he paid attention to George's life and then knew exactly what to do, um, like, you know, to jump in the water so that George would save him instead of killing himself. But I never knew that Clarence said that line. I always thought that little girl, Zuzu, 
said it. Is it whatever? His daughter said it. He told him at like the beginning, like when they were getting dried after the water, he mentions it something like, I want to get my wings or something like that. And then, yeah, Zuzu says it like at the end, like officially the big line after the bell rings on the tree. So he did get his wings. Yeah. Oh, I just got the connection because Clarence says it when the cash register dings at the bar. But then Zuzu says it when Clarence, oh my God, I just totally got it. Clarence put his wings at that point. Wow, guys. <laughs> you didn't get that? I did not get that, that and it was Clarence's wings that was getting got. <laughs> that's why you said to me, why is he looking up in the ceiling? I was like, he's talking to Clarence because he got his wings. And you're like, oh my God. why is he doing that? <laughs> Ah, I feel so stupid. It makes so much sense. Oh, guys. Wow. There you go. There you go. A little late to the party. (laughs) Hey, it was my first time seeing this film. There was a lot to take in and I was very mad at George Bailey not living his life. (laughs) There was a lot of one-liners from the 40s. Doggone it. You like that? Doggone it. Hot dog. Hee-haw. I'm just going to be saying that all night now. And I just, we went out that night and I'm just really upset. I forgot all about them and didn't say all these words when we're out at the bar because all I could do was just repeat it. I was obsessed with these. I was like, these are the greatest words ever created. Yeah, you didn't use your new old Hollywood American slang with the people. I would have got very weird looks. Doggone it. I probably would have been so annoyed. with. I either would have totally joined in on you and been like, okay, stop. You need to chill. You need to chill. <laughs> you need to shut up. <laughs> but yeah, every time they were saying it in the movie, you just couldn't, especially when they said doggone it. I think that's your favorite. You're like, doggone it. It's just what a word. I think it's like, cause it's like them swearing and I've obviously gone to other levels of swearing but I'm like this is just so cute like yeah how nice that they just say those lovely words and it was probably oh oh no back in the day like you couldn't say dug on it and now I'm like <laughs> we say a lot worse now <laughs> a lot worse time for our ratings of this movie you ready I am ready okay so starting up with script I would say a four because I just love that old timer language, as we said, those one liners and stuff. And I did think you had to listen to what they were saying to get the full concept of the film at the end of what was happening. Like I thought this was a kid's film. It's not like a kid could probably watch it, but probably don't get it as much. Like I think it has very many layers and I think that's thanks to the script. Like a kid could watch it, but I think the script makes it that little bit more like adult. Mm-hmm. I have four also. I just think there's just a lot of good um, insight and advice and just good way of like kind of looking at life that was really nice. And just the conversations that always involved George, like George and his dad and that conversation, even though he was really supportive of him, but also wanted him to say, but also was like understanding that he wanted to go. And then George, when he was talking to Potter and like defending and when he was at the bank with the people trying to get them to like be patient and and then young George with that uh, shopkeeper guy and like with his dad mm-hmm. with his not his dad with his um son dying it just like there were so many like heart-wrenching moments that like you really see them connect through the script next is characters I've got the characters full I think they had a lot of 
personality to them. I liked George's development into depression, but like you saw how he got there and I'm not, you know, depression is in like, you know, he wanted to jump off a bridge for life insurance to save his family. But I like how you saw he was this bright, sparkly, like, you know, as a kid and he had this National Geographic magazine and wanted to travel the world. And you kind of saw it progress, but then you really saw it come down. Um, kind of like when he met up with Mary again, just before they had their first kiss, like it was just, he was very tortured and torn between what he wanted, what he didn't want. He was pushing people away, but like wanted to help them. And I think his character development was great. And like Mary, what a gem, what a gem. She was amazing. And then like the smaller characters too, like, even though I don't like Potter, he was a good, bad dude. Mm -hmm. Like they developed him into like really someone that is not good and all the little you know, guest stars, even down to like the taxi driver and the police officer and stuff. I just think they really, there's a lot of details and I liked that. Yeah. I have it for four and a half. I think the characters are super strong and you feel for each. And a lot of them have two versions of themselves with like both scenarios and it's not super black and white, pun intended, even though we watched Mm -hmm. it in color. But yeah, I think the characters (laughs) and you just feel for George plot. I liked the plot. I just wish that at the end when he went back to see how when he didn't exist, that was a little bit longer and a bit more in depth. I felt like there was a lot of building up to this storyline in his past life to see where he was. I did appreciate that. It just, I feel like it was, I just wish it was a little more balanced. I don't want it to be any longer than it is. I just want a bit more balance between past, current George and then like George, the not existing kind of George. It just seemed a bit short, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I said four just because one, it's like a classic and it really does have a bunch to it, but there it is slow at times, like you say, in, in the beginning. So I kind of have to be in the mood for it. That's kind of why I always stick to it around Christmas time. I'll give it like a 2.75. Okay. I don't, I don't feel like it deserves a three, but it's definitely better than 2.5. <laughs> entertainment factor Mm, i'll give it a 2.75 for that one as well i'm gonna give it a three it is pretty long like it's like over two hours it was only a little bit over two hours a lot of movies these days are two hours it just doesn't have a bunch like big punchy stuff it was you know the storyline it's the community it's you know ups and downs and there's little things here there like the pool and jumping in the ice Mm -hmm. and you know, people getting really drunk and driving, like there's stuff and jumping off the bridge. It's just, it's done in a more subtle way. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it's just not, which I don't think it's bad. It's just, it's not a big like entertainment factor. Yeah. It's more like a, like a slow burn kind of film. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really like peak at any a moment. It just kind of like travels along at the same pace. So yeah. I think a lot of movies back then are going to kind of be more like that than the big like show stopping moments. Yeah. Agree. Would you recommend? I would recommend this if you have never seen it before. Mm-hmm. If you have seen it before, I will let you form your own opinion if you would rewatch it again. I don't think this is one I need to rewatch for a while. I'm not going to do a you and watch this every Christmas probably. I already have my set films. <laughs> but I would say like this is probably something I could watch at another point in my life, like in a couple more years. But yes, if you haven't seen it, I would recommend that you watch it just because there's so many things in it that's quite sweet. And I do think (laughs) as much as it's not a Christmas film, watch it at Christmas time because it does wrap it all up at the end with the 
15 minutes of actually being Christmas in this film. I don't actually watch it every year. I th- I've at times, but I think for a while, it's like a good, like in the background Christmas movie mm-hmm. and it's just kind of there and you know, it's, it'll always just be a good movie to have on and it just kind of gets you in the spirits. But uh, if you haven't, I definitely recommend that you should watch it. It's just a good classic. And watch it in color. I feel like that kept me more, <laughs> like the entertainment factor was boosted by the color element. <laughs> if it was in black and white, I would have been like, oh, <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Doesn't bother me as much as it bothers you. <laughs> I guess I like explosions. <laughs> you do. For this week, it's a cocktail vibe. I thought it was great. We had our hot toddies. Agree. I we, I've we've linked the recipe for the hot toddy in the episode description. So feel free to make it. Let us know how you go with it. It's very simple. But yeah, I'm all about that cocktail vibe. It was so nice to have with like a Christmas movie. It was it wasn't cold because we're in Austin, but it was like cool enough to kind of be like, oh, this is like a nice warm fuzzy vibe going into the holidays. Yeah, I good hot toddies are great. A great thing to have around that time and for this movie. And also the cocktail, for anyone wondering, is super healthy, obviously. (laughs) Whiskey and water and lemon juice and honey. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently it's hydrating. Let us know. (laughs) But we did end up drinking too, so we definitely were into them. Thank you all for joining us for It's a Wonderful Life. Leave us a review and comment on any movies you want us to watch and whine about. Don't forget to subscribe and find us on TikTok at Champagne Cinema, linked in the description. See y'all in 2022. Cheers. Cheers.